Now, part two of a two-part message. The full message is available online at harvestchapeltrico.com. Now, let's listen in to part two. So Isaiah, the prophet, means an inspired speaker, one that foretells the word of God. And he's an interpreter or a spokesman for God. Now, think about this for a minute. It's not his word. All he's doing is relaying the word. All he's doing is preaching the word. All he's doing is interpreting the word by the Spirit of God that led him to give the message to the people. It's always God. You've got to always look past the man. You've got to always look past everybody else, and you look to the authority. But you learn authority through coming underneath God's government. He, divide, he designed marriage. He designed family. He designed everything to teach us authority, and there's always authority. It's a court that's not out of order. It's a court that has order. There's always a, an authority. There's always a hierarchy. In fact, the word submit, which we hate in our culture, and nobody's responsible anymore because of lawlessness, the word submit is hupomaneo. It's a military term that means to arrange an orderly ranking. So you need to find out, what is my rank? Boy, think about it in the military. If you was running around trying to act like you somebody you wasn't. What is my rank? What is my gift, my talents, my abilities? What is my place? I don't want to be in somebody else's lane. I want to be led by the Spirit doing what I'm called to do, orderly ranking. That's why when you get to Ephesians 5, and it says, submit to one another in the fear of God. Long before it says, wives, this is what submission looks like to you. Husbands, this is what submission looks like to you. It says, first, submit to one another. Hupomaneo. Find out your ranking. Find out what you're called for. And be trained to come underneath authority. But you know what we said? Just like the book of Judges. There's no king. So everybody does what's right in their own eyes. There's no king. What do you mean? Well, you're not looking past the person, past the thing, past that which is dominating your life and getting into the throne room and saying, God, you're the authority. What's going on with this? What's the wisdom in this? How do I behave toward this? How do I treat others because of this? See, that's, rece- that's, that's hearing counsel and receiving instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Proverbs 19, 20. So, anyway. Why did the Isaiah speak this? Look, what's going on? Why is all this going on? That the word, God's word, through the fourth teller, the inspired speaker, the one that it was interpreting what God was saying to them, might be fulfilled. Oh, no. It's fulfilled? It means to make replete or to cram. Listen, I love this. It means to cram the net full. And my brain just goes, boom! I mean, anyway, I'm going to quit because we're fishers of men. And, we, and they fished with nets. And, and, and they fished at night because the fish couldn't see the net because their nets were bulky. Listen, in the darkness, that's where you guys are going. That's where I'm going. We're going out into a dark world fishing with a net. And if you don't do it wisely and like a serpent, you know what's going to happen? They're going to go, oh, here comes one of them stupid Christians. They see the net coming. They see the hook coming. They see it. And they go, I'm getting out of here. That's why you have to go in the power of God, by the Spirit of God, where God's already prepared the heart of the people so that they will hear it and they'll want to hear it. You don't have to waste your time places where people don't want to hear it. I'm going to pop. 
I love this stuff. So it's been fulfilled. The, the net has been crammed full. It means to, to, to satisfy, to finish, to complete, to accomplish. It means to supply. My God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Listen, that's what the Word of God does. Now, now don't be going, oh, yeah, because He gave me this and He gave me that and He gave me this other thing. No, no, no. We're talking about supplying all of your spiritual needs. And if he throws the world in with that, then great. I got a, 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 this, and I got that, and I got the other thing now. But it's about our spiritual needs. It's about spiritual eyes and ears and heart to hear and receive the word so that it will grow. It's not about God's giving me stuff. It drives me crazy when somebody says, well, God paid my rent. Well, uh, maybe. Just because that church gave you a rent check doesn't mean God did it. You might have needed to be homeless in order for you to fall low enough to cry out to God. And that church just took God's place and you couldn't see past the church. You couldn't see past the check. You couldn't see past the rent. You couldn't see past and ask God to supply. Now, I'm not telling you every time a church does that, but like I told you before, many times you hear my stories over and over. We used to do it as drug. I used to rob houses and do drugs, and I'd go knock on the church's door and go, hey, our rent's due. I didn't even have a lease, and they didn't go to check it out. They'd just go, how much is it, sir? 500? They'd write us a check. They'd go, what's your landlord's name? And we'd say, Don Blevins, and they'd write it to Don Blevins, and he was a drinking buddy, and we'd give him a case of beer to cast the check and give us the rest of the money so we could go to the dope man. So did the church really take care of any of my needs? No, they tried to kill me. They were feeding my drug habit because they didn't do anything with wisdom. Listen to me, this is a serious situation that we have in the churches today that all we do is take care of people's needs and they can't see past the church. They can't get to the throne room of God. I'm not saying don't take care of people, but even Jesus said the poor you have would you always. If you just take care of everybody's needs, they never learn to think for themselves. That's what the government's trying to do right now, the spirit of Antichrist. They never learn to grow crops. They never learn to take care of themselves. They always look to somebody else to take care of them. They always are going to turn back to somebody else, but you're supposed to turn to God. He's sovereign in all of this. He allows it so that you'll trust him, so you'll cry out to him. I'm never going to get done with this text. What did he say? What did he supply? What did the word of God say? What was the fruit that was coming from when Isaiah spoke? Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's powerful. Because see, in the New Testament... In the written scriptures, when a scripture is quoted by a teacher, what was they doing? See, they all had to memorize the Bible. See, the, the, the Jewish nation was memorizing scripture. They knew scripture. To you and me, I would say, turn to Isaiah 53. See, but in their hearts, their hearts would automatically go to the, turn to Isaiah 53. That was an instruction, if you have your Bibles. Isaiah 53 is what he's quoting. So when they quoted scripture, they had scrolls. And so in their hearts, they would go to the entire context of Isaiah 53. They, he wouldn't have to sit there and tell them the entire thing. And many times when I'm speaking and God reveals something to you, it's because I'm saying something that God wants you to look at. And you're going, whoa, 
that just opened that door completely up because the scriptures opens up your heart and uncovers hidden things in order to satisfy and grow fruit because of what the word has already said and that's where we should be looking for all of our supply from god and what he has already said where is it in isaiah is that in the old testament so listen and many of you if you're bereans or bible students you know that isaiah 53 uh, it is the cross. It is Christ. It is everything about God. I, I'm going to go through some of this, but listen, it doesn't start in Isaiah 53. See, they would be going, oh, what's Isaiah 53? One, he just quoted Isaiah 53. One, he just quoted the whole context there and our eyes are veiled. We can't even see it because it's hidden from us because the word of God is being fulfilled. See, now today we can unclose un- it, but the Jews standing there had no idea what he was talking about, even though they knew the context. But where does it start at? See, Isaiah is a small picture of the Bible. It's a type of the Bible. It's got 66 chapters, right? 66 chapters. See, Isaiah 53 in context started in what chapter? 40. Think about it with me. 66 is how many books are in the Bible. That's how I always, when people want to argue about the Bible, I confirm it by saying God's perfect. He's not God. If he, if, he, if he can't get you a perfect book, a perfect letter, a perfect revelation of himself, and he un- discloses it, opens up the mystery of it to you when you need it, then he's not God at all. He's not a God I want to serve. He's weak and anemic if somebody's pushing him out of the way. Listen to me. The context of 53, the whole report is the rest of the Bible. The whole report is verses or chapter 1, 1 all the way up to 53. Listen to me, but it actually changed in the 40th chapter. Why is this a microcosm of the Bible? Because in the 40th book of the Bible is Matthew. And it's the place that God says, comfort, comfort. Here's rest. Here's a place of rest because I'm going to come and take your judgment. I'm going to die for you. Well, why would you do that? Because I'm fulfilling prophecy. The word that I already said that I would come out of and die for you and pay for your sins. And the Old Testament saints look forward to it. The Jewish nation was telling everybody that Jesus was going to come. They didn't know his name. The Messiah was going to come from the tribe of Judah, from the house of David. He's the son of David. That's why they're going to him. Who is the son of man? He's using a a messianic uh, term that was used in Ezekiel and Daniel and stuff. And he's saying the son of man. He's he's referring to himself. He uses it a bunch of times too. I think like maybe even 99 times in the book of John. I could be wrong. I could be mistaken. Let's get back to the text. 53, Isaiah 53, 1. What does it say? Who has believed our report? What report? The rest of Isaiah's words from chapter 1 all the way through. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What arm? His mighty strength, his outstretched arm, which he sent down as his son to save the world. It's his power, it's his might. In in an idiom, he uses arm as an idiom, which is a type of language that was used in any language. When I say Hebraism, it's the type of the idiom that's used in Hebrew, specific nation specific language but an idiom is a type of language that is used in any language but then you can narrow it down in a minute we'll see a hebraism about that where the nation of hebrews always did the same thing i don't mean to confuse you i just want you to understand that this arm is jesus and the revealed 
is he's no longer hidden. He's uncovered. It's, it, it's the same as revelation. It means to take the cover off, to remove the mystery, to uncover that which was covered up. In the New Testament, it means to take the cover off, to disclose, to reveal. Or here it is, to open up that which has been veiled. See, the Holy of Holies has always been veiled. But in Christ, the veil is rent. And now because we believe in Him, we can come into the Holy of Holies and look to God for everything. And yet the whole church stays outside the veil. And we don't draw near with pure hearts. So when you look at this, now hold your finger in Isaiah 53 and just click back to chapter 40. See, all the way Isaiah is speaking and all the way up to 39, he's talking about the nation of Judah, the southern tribe. The, 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 the um, northern tribes have already went into captivity. Assyria has already taken them away. And they should have been looking at them and going, look, God fulfills his word. God does exactly what he said. When they started following Jeroboam and his golden calves, God said he would destroy them. They didn't turn. They didn't repent. They didn't bear fruits worthy of repentance. And so God brought a, a stronger nation to come down and take them into captivity and put them into bondage. And Judah should have been learning from what God has already said and fulfilled his words that you reap what you sow. And, and they didn't. So you get to 40 and he starts to talk about their captivity in Babylon. Even though it hasn't happened yet, he's prophesying. He's telling them about it. The same way he's telling us about a Messiah is going to come in 13 chapters. And he tells them about it in a great way. Look what he says in 40. He says, comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. And then what's the next verse? It's, it's what John the Baptist did. It's the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be uncovered. The lid taking off and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken past tense listen to me he's saying it all in past tense because it's a prophetic word but notice what he says everything's being made correct whole mountains tore down everything's going to be on the same level ground valleys filled in roads straightened everything is prepared and you and i are supposed to be that voice crying and telling others that the messiah has died for them chapter 40 Oh yeah, captivity's coming, judgment's coming, everything's coming, but we have comfort, we have peace, we have rest, we know it's coming. We know it's here now on this nation and on this world. It's a done deal. God already said it, so it's a done deal. But how should you and I behave as a people until it happens? We should keep looking past it and looking to God for our instructions and marching orders and becoming ambassadors of Christ in the ministry of reconciliation of souls. Nothing changes. 
Sometimes the storms look worse. Sometimes death happens. Sometimes you lose a job, but you're still looking to God who is sovereign over every bit of it. And verse 6, Isaiah 40, the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? What's the message? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like a flower of the field. No matter how good it looks, all flesh is grass. The grass is going to wither. The flower is going to fade because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. He's sovereign. He's the one who gives life and he takes away life. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Notice what's going to stand forever, what God has spoken, what God has said. So what should we be living by? We're going to see that next week, God willing. In the rest of chapter 12, he's going to tell us what we're being judged by, everything that God said. He, he, there's nothing new coming. There's no new counsel. There's no, nothing new under the sun. And so we're supposed to understand that none of us are anything but grass. Even if we look really flowery and really pretty, even if we looked our best, we're going to die. It's appointed for men to, to die once and then comes the judgment. We're all going to die. These are earthly tents. They're made to wear out. They're made to die. And our importance is the spiritual life on the other side. That's what's important. So, O Zion, that's the city of David, you who bring good tidings, get up into the mountain, O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, speaking of both, city of David and the city of Jerusalem, teach in peace, lift up your voice with strength, weak anemic church, lift it up, be not afraid, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. We've been sent, we've been commissioned. We have authority the same way God sent Christ. Christ has sent us. But people get really mad at authority because they're rebellious and they hate authority. And they don't want to hear about authority. And you're not the boss of me and don't judge me. And I'm not doing anything. Of course, guess what? When you reject authority, there's no authority except that which is from God. Listen to me because he's sovereign. And Paul's writing this to the Roman church in 13.1 in the days that Nero is impaling them to their rectum and using them as torches in his garden for his orgies. And Paul is still telling them God is sovereign. And if you resist the authorities, you're actually resisting God. That's the truth. No matter how you try to pan it out, sift it through it, and use earthly wisdom to change it, God brings judgment. We reap what we sow because of how we're living. How can men stand in a fire and be burnt at a cross for being a witness for God and hold up their hands and sing praise? Because they're reaping what they've sown. They've always glorified God. They've always trusted in Him. And they can stand to be burnt at a stake and still glorify Him by the grace of God for the glory of God. Because they've always been doing that. So God's people should be able to go through a whole lot of stuff, the valley of the shadow of death, and not fear anything because He is with us. Doesn't mean the bad things ain't going to happen. It just means He's with us. He's going to get us to the other side. You can trust Him. Good hands, people. Righteous right arm. I can't do it all. You read the rest of it. You read the rest of 40. I want to go back to 53. 53, 
This is the report all the way through here. Who's believed that report? Who has, who's the arm of the Lord been revealed to? We say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I went to an altar. Oh, I said a prayer. Oh, I believe in that God. What God? One that spoke and fulfills everything, supplies everything. One that died for you. One that gives you all authority and power. One that is actually here right now. And he's saying, come into the throne room of me and hear my voice and obey me because my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Or some other God that some man made up and you never get into the throne room. And you say, well, God failed me. I didn't get nothing. That's not the God I serve. Of course not, because we've been falsely told things that aren't true, and we miss the true Christ. We miss the Spirit of God and the Word of God, because it's a personal relationship. God has no grandchildren. You can't ride on my coattails. I'm just trying to encourage you to get into the Word and draw near to Him, and He'll change your life forever. He'll tell you why He called you. He'll put you in your place, but you have to bow down. If you don't bow down, you're resisting the Spirit. You can't be led by the same Spirit you're resisting. He's going that way, and you're going that way. Repentance means you turn and go where He's going. You turn your heart toward home. You come to your senses. I pray that we can. I love, I got a big, I got a, I, I'm, a, I'm a doodler, I draw. So I draw a big right arm with his sleeve up, and Jesus is on his arm. Anyway, I just looked down at it and seen it. He raised his, it, it, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Wait a minute. Because it's so amazing. No, let's don't. Let's go back. That was in chapter 52. I think actually 53 could start in verse 13 of 52. If you look at 52, 13, it says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any other. That's the beating that he took for us. And his form more than the sons of men. He took more pain than anybody ever could. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. But it'll be too late. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm, the power, the strength, the might of the Lord been revealed? Oh, is that it? Is that it? No, he wants you to turn to that page. He wants you to look at that page. I'm looking at a, another text. And then it says, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, for he shall, or, and he as a root out of the dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. When you see um, the Magnificat in Luke one fifty one, it's really the first usage in the New Testament um, of the word revealed in the Magnificat as Mary does the thing at Elizabeth's house. You might you might not know about it, but he says, and she says in her led by the Spirit, magnificence 
as she lifts up the majesty of the Christ child. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their heart. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. And, and I mean, again, you're seeing the word of God come out and the arm of God is being extolled, is being lifted up. And that was just the first usage. I've been doing a lot of first usages so you understand the context of what it means or where it comes from and that it's not just a one-time thing, that God actually uses that same word the same way all the way through the Bible. But here's, here's the interesting thing. When he pronounces comfort in chapter 40 of Isaiah, comfort doesn't just mean rest. It's the first word that's used is when, about Noah, that Noah... When he's born in Genesis 5.29, he will bring what? Comfort from the curse. It's actually what it says. He will bring comfort from the curse, from the work of tilling the land. You can go back and read it. It's 5.29, I think. Uh, He's going to bring that comfort. But the word comfort actually also means repentance. Because the next use is is, is in 6.6, where God relents or repents and is sorry that he ever created man. Same word. Same word. Listen to me. Because there's no comfort from God unless there's repentance from that which needs comforted. And we've got a gospel in the world today that is teaching comfort and rest and peace with God without repentance. But with God in his usage in the Old Testament... He puts them both in the same thing. Repentance brings comfort. Repentance brings Noah. Repentance brings rest. Repentance brings all the promises of God. But without repentance, no promises. First word Jesus used. It's God's will, not that everybody comes to salvation, but everybody comes to repentance. Because we're living and moving in a direction that is death. We're growing death. We're chasing everything else. And he wants us to change our mind and chase him because he's life. Two trees in the garden. Tree of life, tree of death. Huh? Knowledge of good and evil. It brought forth death. So it has to be a tree of death. Why? Because it, you covet it. It wells up in your pride. And now you chase it and you don't look to God. You think you got it figured out. Produces death. That's what it grows in your life. That's why PhD means permanent head damage. Because once you get it and you don't compare it to the Word of God, you have permanent head damage because you think too much of yourself instead of being lowly and humble. So he grows up before him. Notice God's sovereignty is always there. A tender plant, a vine, uh, um, and as a root... Out of the dry ground, it's a root, he's the root of the, of the stem of Jesse. He's, he's a seed. That's what it is. The seed uh, is the root. It grows. He has no form or comeliness. That's a strange word, isn't it? Comeliness. I'm looking for it. I'll find it. I got it somewhere. We don't use a word like comeliness, but it means magnificence or splendor. Listen, he grows up before him. He's born in a barn. He's laid in a feeding trough so people can eat of him because this is what his life is going to be about. And if you eat from him, he's going to bring life. He's laid in a manger. A manger is a hole carved out in a cave for a cow to stick his head in and eat. 
Who does that? So no comeliness, no glory, no honor, no majesty. There's no reason. He's not dressed in purple robes. Those pictures are all lies. He doesn't glow. That's a lie. It's a Catholic lie. If he glowed, they would have just said, get the one that's glowing. Judas wouldn't have had to been there to betray him with a kiss. They'd have just said, get the guy that's glowing. He stands right there glowing. He's not taller than anybody else, but he glows. How could you miss him? It just doesn't happen. But we've been painted this lie. In fact, we're not even supposed to make an image. Violates the first commandment. No other God, second commandment. Make no image. I'm going to get up get excited. This word is used first usage in Leviticus 23:40, which is amazing because it's in the Feast of Tabernacles. Listen, no comeliness about him, only desiring to hear his voice. When you hear his word, where do you end up at? With a new house in a new kingdom. It's the Feast of Tabernacles, which always commemorated God providing for them in the wilderness, and it pointed to our new house in heaven. John 14, we'll get there soon enough. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. Where I go, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. And if I go, I will return to receive you to myself. So no comeliness. 53. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. It's his words, people. Remember when they sent the guards to arrest him? And they come back going, where's he at? He go, nobody ever spoke like him. We were listening to him. We were like, wow. All right, let's go to lunch. Nobody ever spoke like him. We didn't arrest him. We forgot what we were there for. It's his voice. Are you listening for his voice? Are you listening to his word? Are you wanting to hear the voice of God? Because there's a bunch of other voices out there that are liars. Landmines in your walk. Landmines everywhere. Turn in here. Turn in here and it blows you up and you're off over here off the path. Instead of following his voice, looking to do his will, looking past all the other things and looking to the throne room every day, spending time with him. Not looking backward, looking onward and upward to the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow, all of that, he was despised and rejected, verse 3, by men. Angels sang about him. Demons tremble at him. Men reject him. Despise him. Beat him. Think about it. We're the only ones with free will to do this. Demons obey him. They have no choice. Angels sing about him, glorify him, introduce him, announce him. Because they know his majesty. We've been given a choice, a privilege, a calling. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief because he was rejected because he took our pain and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. In other words, listen, talking to the Jewish nation mainly, but us also, faces always favor. They gave him no favor. They didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. They didn't esteem him as the one smitten. They rejected him. Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. Notice that word, surely. You know where that word's first usage is at? Anybody want to guess? You shall surely die. And the day that you disobey my voice, you shall surely die. One word, 
Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day that you do, you will surely die. And then that word he's using right here. Surely he has borne our death. Surely he has borne our grief. Surely he has borne our sorrows. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. But God loves us enough that he wants to reveal it to our eyes. And we, he wants us to plant it in our hearts. And he wants it to grow up and produce fruit that will stop looking to man. And will start looking to him and trusting in him. And get out of our own agendas and desires and pursue souls. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. It was prophesied. It was told. Let this cup pass from me. Smitten by God for us. Afflicted. Man, that's, I mean, I'm just telling you, this is putting this in really nice terms. When you go through the flagellum, when you go through the cleanup statement of the Romans, when you're beaten to your marred and you're beaten and there's, it's a cleanup statement. They would hit you and hit you and hit you. And I hate to put too much emphasis on it because he doesn't want you to know about it. He wants his goodness to draw you to repentance. But they would say, confess your crimes. And when you're not a liar and you've committed no crimes, you're going to get hit more. See, one of us, we would be like, yeah, I did it. I robbed two banks. I killed them. I was killing people all day long. And they would stop hitting you. Because we can lie. He couldn't lie. So he was beaten and afflicted and stricken and more than we could ever imagine because we would find a way out and he had no way out because he was obeying the will of God because he was God with us. That cleanup statement's crazy. Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Listen, do not despise chastisement. It's okay. Think about it. He was chastised for us, died for us, and we get life now from it. So in life, as you're chastised by God, when you're corrected by God, when you correct your children, it's good to train them in the way they're supposed to go. This word means training by education. Some kids need a good swat on the butt. Some kids just need you to get down to their level and talk to them. But there's a chastisement that must come to interfere with their self to stop them so that life can come out of it. No life comes unless somebody dies. And because we were dying, life came. Listen, we got to get this stuff. This is powerful. And we haven't even got to the meat of it yet. We're getting ready to get there. So our peace, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now we can be at peace with God. And by his stripes, we were healed. We are healed. Oh, did you see that? I almost changed that. We were, we are. It's all already done because you can't change the word of god it's a he's speaking it all the way back here before judah even goes into captivity and he's telling us that it's a done deal it's finished to tell us die it is finished done deal now you got to be careful with this because original sin causes death right so in Theory in context, every bit of disease and anything that's dying or putrefying would come from original sin. 
And so then when you have the uh, Hebrew 11, where these all died in faith, everybody's not healed physically. But eventually they will be when they get a new body in heavenly and they get an incorruptible body. So yes, he did, but no, he doesn't always down here because some people he wants to go through it and stay in it and be crippled so that they can still glorify God in what they're doing. Does that mean we don't pray for a healing? We always pray for God's will. And we always know that he will heal one day. But you can believe he can do it today. But if it's not his will, he's not going to do it. But you need to see through it and know that he's sovereign in it and that sometimes you stay in a place because God can use you greater from the pain of that place because you won't be trusting in man because you will always be crying out to God. Well, at least that's the way it's planned. Many people will cry out to the government. They'll cry out to some doctor. They'll cry out to somebody else. And see, I don't mind using doctors, but you don't go get surgery and then get up and go in the hallway and find the scalpel and start glorifying it and praising it. You don't go out there and go, Almighty scalpel! That was just an instrument that was used by the great physician. And that doctor was just used by the greater physician to use the scalpel. And God gives us tools. He gives us privileges. Things can be healed. Things can be cut off. But we don't glorify that which does not deserve glory. We always give the glory to God. You start giving the glory to the wrong person, God will leave the room. Listen to me. We're all going to be healed. The Word of God cannot be changed. But He doesn't always heal everybody. Acts chapter 3, the lame man by the temple gate. We know that. Jesus walked by him every day, three times a day. And yet here's Peter and John at the hour of prayer, and there he is. He's been there all of his life. Jesus didn't heal him. He waited to let us do it. He waited to let them do it. He waited to the perfect time, and sometimes that perfect time is when they get home. Don't get confused with the physical and become bitter. The problem everybody has is their relationship with Jesus. Because if your relationship isn't right with life, you're still living death. And it's always going to mess up your horizontal relationships. It's always going to taint them. It's always going to sour them. You're always going to have the wrong counsel. And it's always going to be somebody else's fault. And it's always, you're always going to be a victim. You're always going to say, it was that woman you gave me. Well, it was the devil that made me do it. You're always going to be a natural man if you're not living life. And life is a person. It's Jesus. You have to look beyond the veil. And know that he's on the throne. We're going to get there sometime next year. Then what does he say? Verse 6, on purpose, because the number of man is six. All we like sheep have gone astray, right? All of us, none righteous, no, not one. We have turned every one to his own way. That's why we have to turn around. That's why we have to repent, metanoia, go the other direction. Because we're turned to our own way of understanding. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. How did he do it? He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Verse 7, the completion of it. Yet he opened not his mouth. He did it silently. He went through everything silently, counting it all joy. 
Because on the other side, he knew that we would be redeemed. And not only that, but he would perfectly follow the will of God. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Tell us if you are the Christ. Speak. They're beating. He can't say nothing. He's silent. For this purpose I came. Do you know what purpose you came for? Do you know what your gifts and talents and abilities are? Do you know what part of the body you are? Are you stepping on somebody else's toes? Are you running all over people? Are you running around like a madman? Or are you being led by the Spirit of God in this race for God to give Him glory? There's a finish line. Man, we train and train and train for sports. We train and train and train to do things. But what about to go to heaven for eternity and our eternal life is at stake and we won't even train. We won't lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance, the hoopamony, this race that is before us. How do we do it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who but for the... The joy that was before him despised the shame, but is now set down at the right hand of God. And if we went through chapter 12, you would see the chastisement there. Our earthly fathers chastised us. They educated us. They trained us. And we receive it. How will we not receive the chastisement or the education or the instruction from God? Which what? When it's, when it's done, it produces peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Are you being trained by God or are you still being trained by man? Are you still just pacifying your flesh or are you mortifying the, de the deeds of the flesh? Are you beating the, the flesh down and kicking it in the face, putting it in the grave? Or is it still dominating your life? If it is, you're going to reap what you sow soon. Your house is going to crumble. Your cards are going to fall down, all the way down. Make no mistake, you reap what you sow. And God is not mocked. So if a man sows to the wind, he will reap the whirlwind. Twice you see he opened not his mouth. Our words don't matter. He's taken our death. What matters is the voice of God. The word of God. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generations, we still say today, who will declare this Messiah? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, thief on both sides, but with the rich at his death, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, they came, put him in a borrowed tomb because he had done no violence. Remember, Jesus was not a violent man. Nor was any deceit in his mouth. He was innocent, Pilate said seven times. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Remember that? Genesis 3.15. He will bruise your heel, but you will crush his head. It's the promise of the seed that would come. His heel got bruised because he was in the grave for a moment, but he crushed the power. He came to destroy the works of darkness and to defeat the devil. Bruise. He has been put, or excuse me, he has put him to grief. When you make his soul, his body, 
gave his body, an offering for sin on the cross. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Notice it was his pleasure. It was his, he, he's going to see his seed. He's going to see us. Why? Because he got up. He's not in the grave. He's going to see his seed. We are the seed that grows from it because one seed died in the ground. Much grain was produced because you reap what you sow. He came to do the will of God and he was died. He went into the ground and when he got up, now if we believe that his seed is planted in our heart and he grows up out of us and if we obey it, it produces peaceable fruits of righteousness so that we can go out and cry out to others, make straight the way of the Lord, and then they can receive the seed, and it keeps producing. But guess what? The birds of the air want to come and camp out too. So you have to know who you're following, or you'll end up following a liar. And it's sad because it's a lonely place sometimes. He was a solitary life. He was a lonely life. People didn't understand him. John the Baptist was in the wilderness until his appearing. See, because if you go out and hang out with a bunch of people that are living death, you are going to want to do what they're doing, to fill in. But we're, this is not our home. This is not what we're doing. We're here for souls. I'm not here to hang out with a bunch of pit dwellers. Do I have the heart of God? Sometimes I want to help them. Sometimes I want to help them get back in their car and leave. Sorry, I'm a man too. But I want to always lay my life down for them. But you don't always give people what they're asking for if you want to lay your life down. You give them what they need. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. How does he do it, Greg? By Christ Jesus, by the Messiah. Because it's the fulfillment, the, the filling, the supply, the furnishing of what's already said to be done. It can't be some other way. It's a legal document that is written and it has to be done according to the judge. Or it's all pulled back. Wait a minute. We got a violation of the law here. We got a violation of this written document. What's the written document? God's will. Look it up in the Greek. Look it up. It means a written document. It's a contract. It's a covenant. Sorry, I'm out of control again. Calm down. Verse 11. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Isn't that cool? Satisfy my soul. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Can you say it that way even? Cool? That's an that's a idiom, or that's a, 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 an Americanism. It's cool. That is amazing. I don't know if you guys know it, but there's a, there was a guy that was being groomed, and I, and I tell these testimonies or stories all the time. He was being groomed to be the next great speaker in the church in Europe. And they loved him. He could sing like an angel. He could, he, could, he could preach. He was learning the word of God. But he loved to play soccer. So he went out to play soccer. And he's playing soccer. He got hit in the face with a soccer ball. And he bit the tip of his tongue off and split his tongue. And so he began to talk with a little lisp and a little bit of a, uh, his, his words just wouldn't come out right. And they go, oh, this is bad. He can't be an orator if he's going to be talk like that. Oh, this is bad. We go, oh, you can't even sing the way you used to sing. Oh, we're so sorry. 
and he was rejected by the church. So he went out and he went to night school and he started a rock band and he wrote, and it goes down in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with a big tattoo all the way down him of a serpent. And they sing Sympathy for the Devil. And he sings a main song about this verse, I can't get no satisfaction. Because the church rejected him. The Word of God doesn't reject anybody. You reject it. And you can't get any satisfaction apart from it for your soul. Look. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Can you be satisfied? Do you satisfy my soul with his truth? Or do you want to keep chasing death? Is that what satisfies your soul? That's what kills your soul. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, just as if he never sinned. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong. We're the strong, the ones that believe and stand. Vision 6. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand of the devil we're those strong when you stand and say no the word of god i'm looking past the man i'm looking to the word of god he divides and gives us we become joint heirs because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors now listen the next verse 54 and on that one and two is why this church exists we decided to enlarge our territory and go out and bear children and produce other offspring because of Isaiah 54. If you read it, it's simply amazing. We're not going to read it. We got to go back to our text. We ran out of time an hour ago. So this is what, this is what he was saying to them in commentary. Who has believed their report? What report? That the Messiah is coming. It was written. I got to finish this up though. Has this arm, has this strength, has this might, has this God been revealed to you? Or is it still hidden from your eyes? Because you're chasing death. You're living in the dark. You haven't come out into the light as Lazarus did. He see, he, he come alive in the dark. But then he said, come forth. And he walked out into the light. And he stopped living in the grave. And he said, hey, people, help him take his grave clothes off. Therefore, verse 39 of John 12 Therefore, they could not believe. He confirmed their hearts. What do you mean they couldn't believe? He's sitting right there in front of them. Watch, watch. This is what we started with. Because Isaiah said again. Listen, the word again. It's pretty amazing when you look at it. The word again. Don't I have it somewhere? I know I got it somewhere. Just can't find it. Again, doesn't necessarily mean like he repeated it. It means before. It means at a different time. And in fact, when you're reading it and you're going backward, what did we go to first? 53. Well, what's that all about? He goes back further. And we're going to go to chapter 6 of Isaiah, if you would with me, please. Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, 6.10 of Isaiah. 6 is the number of man. 6 happens to be the chapter that Isaiah 
explains his calling in. He wrote the first five books and he stopped in chapter six and he tells you why. He tells you why he was called to be a prophet. He tells you what happened in his life that he was called to be a prophet. And we see it completely because crazy stuff is going on in the nation, just like it is now. And he said this, and he said it before he gets to salvation. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Our nation is in turmoil. The, the king has died. Oh, they, they, they've killed the president. Oh, the, big things have happened. Something happened. Some turmoil. Some turmoil happened. And I can get bitter or I can get better. But notice this. The year, Isaiah is actually the second cousin of Uzziah. Uzziah was actually a great king until he stopped lifting up God and he started lifting up himself. Remember what he did? You can go read about it. Second Kings or yeah, Second Kings, Second Chronicles. Remember what he did? He's doing all these great reforms. He was actually the longest king in, in, in uh, the tribe of Judah. Uh, he came, came to the throne at 16, and he was there till he was 68 when he died. But when he died, he was co he was co-king. His son was actually ruling. Why? Because he went into the temple and he thought he could be the priest and he thought he could burn incense. And the priest said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he stuck out. He said, arrest that man. And his arm turned leprous as he reached out to accuse God's man. Be careful who you're accusing. Be careful what you're saying about people. Be very careful. Because even if they say something bad or good or indifferent or they're your authority and you're talking about them and you're destroying them, listen, God allowed it. God allowed them to throw rocks at you. And they will reap what they sow. If you roll a stone, it'll be rolled back on you, the Proverbs tell us. But don't you try to bring vengeance upon somebody. What you should do is look beyond them and say, Lord, what are you saying about me? Just as David did when the kingdom was being stolen from him by Absalom. He said, if God allows him to throw rocks at him, let him throw rocks. And we're talking about a man that can kill ten thousands. And he didn't kill one that was throwing rocks power under control well what was he learning he was learning how to do that as his kingdom was being stolen was he still making mistakes yes he was a really bad father he wouldn't judge his kids and deal with his kids so in the year that king uzziah died this is what we're seeing why what's going on well god already told them what was going to happen they were going to go into captivity he has said to them they should be repenting they've seen the northern tribes they know god is the god of his word that god is one day going to bring justice he brought it in christ chapter 40 but if you don't receive that then he has to bring it upon you because you're going there with your own filthy rags on. I saw the Lord. Who did? Isaiah did. Sitting on a throne. High and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. This is why he, he's, he's, he, this is why he confirmed their hearts. Listen to me. This is what they're telling us in John. So even though the nation's in turmoil, even though the king is dead, even though Isaiah's freaking out, Uzziah has been a stumbling block to him. So he's called in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his suffering, he's being ordained as a prophet by God. Quit looking at the conditions around you and look to God. But it took the death of the king and the destruction of the nation for him to cry out to God and to see the Lord. Wow, you're still on the throne. Uzziah's not on his, he died. 
Because all men are like grass. They're like the flower of the field. They're going to wither. And God will breathe on them and they will blow away. But God's always on His throne. No matter what's going on in your life, God is on the throne. And you need to always see that He's on the throne. Because this will give you new understanding from an eternal perspective. It'll give you new direction. It'll actually bring you salvation. Watch this. He saw the king. He sees him, uh, sees the Lord high and lifted up, Jehovah. What do you see when you look at the world? What do you see when you look at your spouse? What do you see when you look at your boss? I'm smarter than them. I'm better than them. Are you lifting up yourself? Or when you see problems in life, when you see sin in life, do you look past them and see the Lord high and lifted up? Because He died for them. And He sent you to cry out to them. And to be a witness to them. And a representative to them. And an ambassador to them. What do you see? When bad things happen in your life. When the king is dead. Listen, unless you're dead, you're not going to see the Lord high and lifted up. You're going to keep lifting up yourself. You're going to keep lifting up your foot and kicking against the goads until you see your condition. And that's what's going to happen here. Uh, and, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Train. Where do we see that at? Oh boy, we don't see that at all unless we see it on brides today. That's a train that hangs behind them. And the longer the train, the more prettier the dress God's train fills the temple. That's pretty awesome. Above it stood seraphim, fiery ones. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Tell you a lot of stuff about it. Don't understand what's going on. But I know God gave him a couple wings to hide his face. A couple wings so that he wouldn't worry about what he was doing, but he would obey God by faith. A couple wings to hide his feet so he wouldn't walk and do what he wanted to do, but he would do what God did. And then he had a couple wings to go do what God told him to do. That's all I'm saying. I don't know what it is, but it's an angel. And you've been given free will. You can hear the voice of God, and you can obey the voice of God, and you can put your hands to the work of God. But if you keep doing what you believe in your mind, in your eyes, what you see by sight, if you keep following what you want to walk in and what you want to do, you're not going to serve God with your two hands, with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But anyway, seraphim, a lot of, a lot of people want to do this. They want to worship angels. They want to talk about all this stuff. My Bible doesn't tell me enough about them to sit here and talk to you about them. So I'm just going to just go, okay, that's some hidden things that God has hidden on purpose and he shows this stuff to us when we need to know it. But right now, one cried out to another. They're looking to each other, testifying and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Why three times? Because he's a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one holy for each time. The whole earth is full of His glory. Not just the train of His robe fills the temple, but His majesty goes throughout the whole earth. 
This is what they're testifying. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, this is what we should say. This is what Isaiah said the day that he was called, the day that he was uh, uh, um, anointed to be a prophet to the nations and bring the word of God. Woe is me. He didn't wait for God to pronounce a woe on him. He pronounced one on himself. He knew where he was at. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. Where do lips come from? What comes out of your lips? The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Really in Texas, not you guys. We're just talking about unrighteous people in Texas today. Not that all are unrighteous. You guys are fine. You guys just be still. You're good. No, he's talking about everybody. None righteous. No, not one. And yet we would be called to be a prophet to the nations, to foretell the word of God, to interpret the word of God, to listen to the spirit of God and equip the people of God for the glory of God. It's all going to happen, people. Listen to me. I'm getting a little excited here. I'm going to try to close this up. Why do you know that you have unclean lips, Isaiah? Because my eyes have seen the king. The more you see God, of God, of the majesty and the glory of God, when the man of God looks into the word of God and sees the son of God, he's transformed by the spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. When you are looking for Jesus beyond the problem, beyond the death, beyond the situation, and you're looking for God and you see the king, You remember that you unclean lips and all you have is the gospel. All you have is God to give to people. You don't have any counsel of your own. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, one of the fiery ones, having in his hand a live coal. God's a consuming fire. He uses fire, he uses pain, he uses these things to burn out the dross, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. Not one down here anymore, it's up there, it's in your heart. And he touched my mouth with it. Have you let God touch your mouth? And said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sins are purged salvation washing cleansing by the fire of god who is a consuming fire listen to me either consumes it now or you reap what you sow and maybe it'll be burnt up in fire of hell and never go away or it'll be at the bema seat judgment where we go on these little treadmills and he takes us through and everything that wasn't done from him is burned up but you will be saved yet by fire Paul says at the Bema seat, it's a place of rewards. Everything that was done in your life is burned up, but you get in by fire smelling like smoke because you didn't do nothing for God. You didn't turn your life over to God. You didn't surrender to God, even though you made a contract with God. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? His eyes go everywhere looking for people to send. And who will go for us? Elohim, plural, Trinity of God. Then I said, here I am, send me. What have you said to God? Here I am, send Aaron. That's what Moses said when he seen God. Yeah, it's a fearful thing. But it's also a thing of blessing. 
and great rewards and mercy and privilege. And he said, go and tell the people. What will I tell them? This is his commission to go. You go. Jesus commissioned all of the church to go and make disciples. Keep on hearing and do not understand. Keep on seeing and do not perceive. Oh, just said underneath the word of God. See, that's what parables are about. When Jesus was doing parables, he didn't want to harden the heart of the people listening because he knew they weren't going to obey. So he spoke in a parable. He threw it alongside, a story alongside the truth so that anybody wanted to draw near, anybody wanted to hear could come and go, hey, what was that about? See, when you draw near, you can have everything you want with God. But he also won't force himself. He'll stand at your door and knock and go, hey, I'm out here. But if you keep on hearing and don't understand and you keep on seeing and you do not perceive, eventually you won't be able to. You'll confirm your heart. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart. Notice that's the place. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart. That's what keep means. And return and be healed. Return. Be converted. Is what it means. You can read about it in Acts 3.19. It means to return. It means to turn around. It means to repent. It means uh, to come again to the house of God and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, the land is utterly destroyed, the Lord has removed men far away, and... The forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, but yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be for consuming as terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down. So the holy seed shall be in its stump. I always tell people that's my tree right there. That's my genealogy. I come from a stump. By faith, through grace. By grace, through faith, I should say. Now you have to know that Uzziah has died, but Ahaz, his son, is king. And Ahaz is a proud man that won't ask God for help. And he's going to go into captivity. And God gives him a promise even when he won't ask for it. And it's 714. Therefore the Lord himself will give a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. This is, what, this is what John wants us to see in this text. And if we don't believe, if we don't listen, which is what the book is written for, then God one day is going to harden our heart. He's going to confirm our heart. He did it to his entire nation. But he hasn't written them off. Listen, he's going to bring them back. You can go back and read it. Romans 11. All of Israel will be saved. Back in our text, these things Isaiah said when he saw, because he saw the glory, or because he saw God's glory and spoke of him. When you see God, do you speak of him? Nevertheless, even the rulers, many believed that so that's trusted him. Because see, listen, today we've got a gospel of believing, but no commitment. 
but because, but is the word Allah. If you guys want to remember that in the Greek, it's the word Allah. Because of the Pharisees, that's the separate ones, they did not confess, they did not agree, they did not commit. This is the marriage ceremony. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. So they, they were afraid of being excommunicated. So there was no action on their belief. I don't want to be talked about. I don't want them to treat me the way they did Jesus. See, many people believe in Jesus, but there's no agreement with his word. There's no confession. There's no crying out. There's no going out and doing what he did and say, repent, make straight the way of the Lord. There's nobody doing that. And that's the commitment of marriage. I want to be like my husband. I want to do what he's doing. He's making me like him. He's leading me. He's providing me. He died for me. Because we want the praise of men the accolades of men. And if we serve men, can't serve God. You'll never see past. You'll always be mad. Somebody would have always done something to you. Look to please God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you first must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you fulfill it. You supply it. You perfect it. You uncover it. Lord, please don't harden our hearts. Help us to surrender to you, to receive you, to confess you, to cry out. Not to be insultive and sailors, Lord, but to cry out so that you will say one day, enter into the joy of the Lord when you glorify us in heaven with you at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Pour out your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I